of these pulpits wasn't made for short folks like me. But maybe we'll get through the day. I tell you, I, I appreciate Brother Kevin asking me to come over and fill in for him today. You know, the preachers, they got to guard their pulpit. And I don't let just anybody come in when I'm pastor church. I don't let just anybody come in. If, you know, if they don't believe the same thing I believe, but they can hang it up. But I was making it pretty good that that young lady got up here singing a song, and I just got nervous, more nervous, and I hope the Lord just blesses us this morning. We're going to be in Romans chapter number 12, and we're going to read the first eight verses uh, to you this morning. And while you're turning to Romans, how many hunters do we have in here? You know, you've got a shotgun or a rifle? Come on, man. Well... About two weeks ago, we got overrun by squirrels at the house. And I got my 22 rifle out, and I went to plucking some of them, and I got, it was sort of dangerous, they several houses around us, I was afraid them bullets might ricochet, so I got me a shotgun. And I got to killing some of them squirrels, and I'd keep, I'd peek out the window every once in a while, see if I could see one come back in, and I'd ease out the door, and I got my shotgun one day, and I saw one out in the front yard, and I eased out in my carport, and I eased the door to, and I eased out, and I seen him. And I got between my car and the wall here, and I was afraid to take another step, afraid he'd run off, so I knocked the safety off. I pulled that trigger, y'all, and I hadn't heard right since. <laughs> there's a big echo I thought it did deafen me and they, they stopped that's about three weeks ago and I still got a roar in my head I may have to wind up going to the doctor but let me tell you fellas do not I repeat do not shoot your shotgun in the carport <laughs> get out from under the carport before you shoot your gun I learned me a hard lesson that day well Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 8 this morning now, I've got about two minutes after 11. Do y'all get out at 11.30 or? Okay, brother. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members of another, one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Our ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. 
Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, and he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I believe chapter 12 of the book of Romans, I believe it is uh, talking to us Christians, uh, church members, members of a church, elected to office in the church, Sunday school teacher, whatever it might be. And I believe the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage us as believers that the walk and the conduct of a Christian is the main subject of chapter number 12. You see, we've got to live right. But, but let me tell you this. Before we can live right, Brother Chris, we've got to be thinking right. And to be thinking right, we've got to be in a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We, we've got to think right about God. Now, there's a lot of false doctrines going on today. I believe everybody here would agree with that. But you see, we've got to believe right about God, about the blood and the Word. And if a person, a Christian, does not believe the Word, and if a person does not believe sound doctrine, he cannot produce sound Christian living. And I believe this is what Paul's telling us here today. Now, some of you have probably been saved a long time, a lot longer than me. I got saved in 1971. I thought I got saved before that. But God and the Holy Spirit got to dealing with me. And we had a little preacher that had just graduated from Blue Mountain College. He came in there at our church and he got to preaching, Have you ever asked the Lord to save you? Now, pay attention to me. Don't leave me here. And I got to thinking, and it seemed like every time he was preaching, he'd look at me and said, have you ever asked the Lord to save you? And you know, the Spirit got to dealing with me. I mean, I'd been baptized, joined the church. Hey, I never had asked the Lord to save me. I grew up in a Methodist church. Baptist church is just a quarter mile down the road, but all of our families visited back and forth. And I went up during revival and shook the preacher's hand and he asked me if I wanted to be baptized or emerged and I didn't know what neither one of them meant. I just heard one of my buddies say he wanted to be emerged and I tried to say emerged the best I could. So about two weeks later, they carried us down to a cow pond and we was baptized. But I never asked the Lord to save me. And I got to thinking about that and one Sunday night, y'all, the Lord had convicted me, the Holy Spirit had convicted me and I thought that Sunday night, he, he preached again. He'd give that invitation. Have you ever asked the Lord to save you? And the, the Spirit spoke to me. He said, boy, I'm putting this in plain English. He said, boy, if you, if you don't go down there tonight and get saved, it's going to be your last chance. I walked down that aisle, and I got down on my knees, and I asked God to save me. And you know something? I've been saved ever since. I haven't lost my salvation not one time. I've been saved, saved by the grace of God. The blood was applied. I've been saved. But I want to share some thoughts with you this morning about the responsibilities of Christians. The church, that's us now, not this building, the church. You know what kind of business we're in? We're in a people-changing 
business. Paul said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I mean, he changes us. He changes our attitudes. He changes our thoughts. He changes our wants and our desires. So listen, we're really in a helping business. We help these folks that's lost. When they get saved, we help them to come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm so thankful that I had a deacon in the church that, that I was uh, attending, I'm so thankful that, that he cared for me. And he'd talk to me when I'd get out of church. He, he'd talk to me and encourage me to get back in church. I'm so thankful for that, that he would do those things for me. But listen, but how does this life change happen? How does it happen? The Apostle Paul here in the, the, these little epistles that he wrote, he gives us some, some advice on, on how these things happen. You see, first of all, we've got to offer ourselves to God. If we're going to, is that me? We, we're going to have to offer ourselves to God. Something's going on here with this thing. But listen, and we need to be able to accomplish God's will. So we offer ourselves. When I got saved, I offered myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I told him, here I am, Lord. I want you to save me and forgive me of my sins. And when we do so, I'm going to tell you, folks, we're going to be changed. We won't be the same that we were yesterday. We're going to be different. We're going to give up that old beer and the drugs and all that old stuff. We're going to be, there's going to be a change happen in our lives. And so listen, so we have been the benefactor of God's mercy. God's mercy has helped us. You see, we offer ourselves not an attempt to pay God back, but out of a sincere love and gratitude of what God did through His Son Jesus on the cross when He gave His life, that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Amen? Let's serve And so listen, so we are to present ourselves, I believe, as the Apostle Paul says here in Romans chapter number 12, we are to present ourselves to God as a sacrifice. But listen, and to be able to accomplish and do His will as he wants us to do. Now I'd like to read a verse of scripture in Mark to you this morning. Mark chapter number 9. But he said, But after six days Jesus taketh with him Peter. Boy, we talked about Peter in Sunday school this morning. Well, let's look at Peter again. It said, And after six days Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John, and he leadeth them up to a high mountain, apart by them sails, and he was transformed before them, and his raiment became shining, exceedingly white as snow, so no fuller on earth can quiet them. So I want us to think about some things this morning. A, a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, a sacrifice was put to death. When we give our life to Jesus, when we make that sacrifice, Paul said that we need to put this old man off. We, we need to do away with him. And we need to take on the, the new man, okay? And the, but that word sacrifice in the Old Testament really meant something that was slaughtered, something that was, was killed. But here we're told that the sacrifice is one that doesn't die, but it goes on living. Praise God. It goes on living. And so it's an ongoing, it's a continual sacrifice. But not only was it to make ourselves a sacrifice, but he said here a, a holy sacrifice to offer ourselves. Now think about this. To offer ourselves to God. 
to God the Father as a holy sacrifice. Listen, it means to be set apart from the world and the world's corruption and, and dedicated uh, to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, this old world's full of corruption, isn't it? I mean, everywhere you turn, you can look north, south, east, west, it's just full of corruption. But thank God he's helping us. But not only those two things, but he said a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, and listen, most important, an acceptable sacrifice. You see, over in the Old Testament, when Cain and Abel offered their sacrifices, Abel offered an acceptable sacrifice, but Cain didn't. He should have, but he didn't. And you know he killed his brother because he got jealous at a, 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 an acceptable sacrifice. Now in 1st, 2nd chapter 5, verse number 9, the apostle Paul said, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. An acceptable sacrifice. You see, Jesus came and he gave his life on that old cross that whosoever will could come to him if we just would. Okay, now in Philippians 4 and 18, I know you probably know this verse, but the Apostle Paul said, but I have all and abound. I'm full. Having received Ephroditus, the things were sent from you in order of your sweet smell and sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. An acceptable sacrifice. So what is the result of our offering this sacrifice to, to God the Father? Well, you see, when we do that, we worship in God. We, we praise in God. We thank in God for what he's done for us. And, and so we offer ourselves to God. And when we do, listen to this, everything changes. Everything changes when we offer ourselves to God. Now listen, I've got three things. Three little points I'm going to share with you now. That's not going to cost you any extra what I just said, but these three points, I hope it'll benefit you this morning. Point number one, when we, as a child of God, offer ourselves to God, you know what's going to happen? Our beliefs are going to change. Our beliefs are going to change. Now, I know we all don't believe the same thing, I know we don't all agree on, the, on these same verses of Scripture, still, but I tell you what we have got to agree on. We have got to agree on Jesus Christ as God's only begotten Son. We've got to agree on that. And the, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. We have to agree on that. Now, we can't work our way to heaven. You can't buy your way to heaven. But without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Jesus said, I'm the way. Oprah said there's many ways. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you're trying to get to heaven any other way, you're missing the mark. And you're not going to make it. You, you won't be there if you're trying to go any other way. So I said, point number one, when we offer ourselves to God, our beliefs change. In order to grasp the importance of this verse here that, that we're talking about right here, I want you to notice something. We have to understand. We have to understand something that why our beliefs change. Now listen, when sin came into the world through Adam, the scripture informs us that it was imputed to all of his descendants. You see, this was a perfect world. Until Adam and Eve sinned. But when they sinned, brother, it was imputed to everybody. 
Everybody was going to be born after those kids of theirs. It came into the world, imputed to all their descendants. You can read that in Romans 5 and 12 if you want to jot that down. But listen, in other words, the effect of sin was not just limited to Adam and his family, but it was attributed to all mankind. And we're suffering today from what Adam and Eve did thousands of years ago over there in the Garden of Eden. Now listen, sin. What is sin? Well, we know it's that little abomination that displeases God. But let me tell you, sin, it corrupts our minds. Our minds, we think with our minds. And when our mind is corrupted, it affects our whole body. But listen to this. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they experienced fear right off the bat. And they experienced guilt immediately after they'd sinned. It didn't take a month or two or a year or two for them to realize what they did. Just as soon as they done it, they realized, hey, something ain't right. And the same thing happens to us. When we sin, we don't have to, somebody don't have to tell us we sin. We already know we, if we're a Christian now, if we saved by the grace of God. But not only did it, did it affect our minds, but it corrupted our bodies. Sin corrupts our bodies. Adam and Eve were, were separated from God. And they entered into a, a, a spiritual condition of, of spiritual death. But listen, God cursed Adam and Eve so that they would die physically. You see, and that's the reason we die now, is because of that sin. But when Christ came, thank God that he sent his son. But when Jesus Christ came, his purpose was to reverse the effects of that sin, of that fall. So let's look at the reverse order of this thing for just a minute. All right? After that, he has brought spiritual life to those who were dead and their trespasses and sin. I, I'm glad that Sunday night when I got on my knees over here at Lakeland Baptist Church in a little place called Manchester, when I asked Jesus to save me, I didn't have any doubt that I was saved when I got up from there. I can feel that burden lifted off of me, and I'm sure you can too, but they saw him this morning and had made a profession of faith, but you never really asked Jesus to save you. You just had a feeling. You had a, you had a good feeling. You, you had a, some kind of feeling that you, you might have got saved, but you hadn't asked him. You better check up and see where you stand with him. You see, he has given us the promise that we will have a new, incorruptible body at the resurrection of the dead. Paul wrote about that in 1 Corinthians. <coughs> Excuse me, chapter 15, verses 42 and 44. And after that, uh, he had provided us with the capacity or the ability to renew our minds. And this means that, we, we, brother, we've got to change our minds. And we've got to change our way of thinking. And some of our beliefs this morning are hindering you in your spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is your beliefs are not letting you grow and mature as a Christian as you ought to because of some of the beliefs that you have. Now, like I said earlier, I know we don't all agree on the same thing what the Bible said, but, but that's beside the point. There are many untruths that people believe today. And we've got a lot of things going on today that people just, they try to make you feel good by the things that they say. But listen, I'm going to tell you something here. I'd like to mention three things to you about this feel-good situation, if you'll let me. It's a lie. It's a lie out of the pits of hell. 
And here's what lie number one is. This lie says that man is basically good and capable of working his way to heaven. That's a lie. We can't work our way to heaven. The Bible says there is none good, no, not one. We've all sinned, the Bible said, come short of the glory of God. So Satan put that lie out there that you can work your way to heaven, but you, but you can't. And I want you to understand that this morning. Well, lie number two is that God's primary goal is your happiness. Can I say something about that? God's not concerned with your happiness. But I tell you what God is concerned about. He's concerned with our holiness this morning. Now remember, we're talking to Christians here in chapter number 12 of the book of Romans. Saved folks, church members. All right, listen. That's a lie right out of the pits of hell. Be happy, feel happy, do happy, be happy, and do all that stuff. Listen, God wants us to be holy. If we'll do what God wants us to do, we'll be happy. Amen? We can be godly happy. Well, let's look at lie number three. The Satan tells us and the world tells us that we're not worthy of God's love. I, I, I've got a little gripe about that because the Bible says that God sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let me can I tell you, hey, God loves us. And Jesus loves us. And he died on that old rugged cross for your sins and my sins. The fact that God uh, loves the world enough to send his son to redeem it. That, that's what God did. And let me tell you, nothing can separate, listen, believers from that love of God. That's what John wrote. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. A amen? Well, let's look at point number two. Uh, when we offer ourselves to God... Our behavior changes. Now, I said something a while ago about our beliefs change. Well, along when our beliefs change, our behavior changes. Okay? Our behavior changes. We can tell a lot about what people believe by how they behave. Okay? You can tell a lot about these children by how they behave. You can tell a lot about their parents by how these little children behave. I've been in churches. Eh, I probably don't like to go here, but I am. <laughs> I, I have pastored a church where uh, some family would let their little kids get down on the floor back there at the back of the church, and they'd just roll under the pew, roll under the pew. they just let, sit back there and laugh and make fun of it and just have a big time. And the little kids, they'd roll back down through there. Listen, I, I don't think it's funny to say because that's disturbing somebody. The Holy Spirit might be dealing with somebody. When we have us laughing and all that stuff going on, it's quenching the Spirit. Amen. Stay with me. It's quenching the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works because God sent that Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to send you a comforter. Okay? And so we need to be careful about that. But listen, behavior flows out of our belief. Behavior flows out of our beliefs. What we believe about the will of God, let me tell you something, it affects what we do as we walk for the Lord. Amen. Did you hear that? Can I say that again? I listen to this. 
Behavior flows out of belief. What we believe about the will of God reflects what we do as we walk with the Lord. Now let me ask you, are we in step with him this morning? Are we in step with the Lord this morning? Before his encounter with Christ, Paul convinced, or it was his belief, that he should oppose the name of Christ. And you know he did that. I mean, he did a good job of it. He, he did that. And he just kept on, he kept on persecuting the Christians. But after his conversion, now let me tell you something now, stay with me. After our conversion, after we trust Jesus, after we get saved by God's grace, Paul's beliefs changed. And after we get saved, our beliefs change. Okay? It, they changed. And, and they changed, and he obeyed the vision that Christ had given him. Now Christ has told us something. When we got saved, he said, I want you to come. He told his disciples, he said, I want you to come and follow me. And I'll make you become fishers of men. Now, we're supposed to follow him, not the world, after we get saved. Now, I know, these, I know folks do things. And, hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not perfect either. I, I see it. We all see it come short every day. But listen, one reason that we carry out God's will is because we believe that it's good to carry out God's will. We carry out God's will because we believe it is pleasing to God the Father. Amen? He wants us to carry out His will. We carry out God's will because we believe it is perfect. Amen? It is perfect. You can, find, you can read about that in Matthew 5 and 48. But now listen. To the church at Philippi, the Apostle Paul said something. He said something there to the church at Philippi. And uh, Philippians 1 and 29. He listed this. For unto you it is given. Now listen to this. It is given in the behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now they're going to be folks that make fun of us as Christians for the way that we believe. But you see, we're just going to have to go on I told you what to go about a living sacrifice, okay? An acceptable sacrifice, a holy sacrifice. We're going to have to make our minds up. When this world turns against us, and it's against us, we're just going to have to keep on keeping on for the Lord Jesus Christ. God permitted the suffering there for, for, for their benefit. And I'm going to tell you, Brother Chris, sometimes we go through things, and it's for God's benefit. He, he sees how strong we are. He sees how educated we are in the Word of God. How dedicated we are to Him. So we need to think about that. Well, let's go to point number three. And we're going to wind this down here in just a little bit. When we offer ourselves to God, our biases change. Or our prejudices, prejudices change. When we, when we offer ourselves to God. My daddy was an alcoholic. I lived a pretty miserable life growing up, me and my sister. And after I got married, we started our family. Well, I was in the army, and I, you know, I, I just did the things the guys did. I drank a little bit, pretty good little bit. I didn't get real bad. We was in Germany. You know, it's a lot different Germany than in America. But when we got home, we'd been married six years and two days when our oldest boy was born. 
we about thought that God wasn't going to let us have no family. But we'd prayed, we'd prayed, and I told the wife, I said, you know, uh, we was going to church some, you know, when we was in Germany. I said, when God gets ready, he'll let us have a family. We wasn't ready for a family. Y'all, you know what I mean? But anyway, after our oldest boy, Mark, was born, my daddy come to the hospital, and he was so drunk, y'all, he had to hold on to the handrail and come down that hall to the room where Janice was at. Now, y'all may think I'm hard, but that's just the way it was. Uh, I had to carry him back to my granddaddy's place, and they'd made a picture of Mark at the hospital that day, one of the Polaroid pictures, you know. And when I got him, my daddy back to my granddaddy's place, started getting him out of the car. Now, remember, he was drunk. And I got that picture out of my pocket, and I said, Here. I want you to get you a good look at this. He said, what's going on? I said, because I want you to see this boy. If you can't come around him without being drunk, it's going to be the last time you see him. I was raised up in this mess, and my kids ain't going to be raised up and stuff like this. He listened. It's a good thing. Good thing. But let me tell you, I say that to say this. Our bias has changed. That word bias means prejudice or to show partiality. Okay? Offering ourselves to God helps us to be sober-minded. In other words, we can think clearly. We can think clearly about our own status and about our ministry. You see, each one of us is God's children. We've got a ministry. Okay? It's not just the preacher's ministry. It's not just the deacons. It's the church. And we make up the church. We are the church. So, you see, we've all, if we're saved, we've been graced by the grace of God. And we've been grafted into God's family. Thank God for that. I, I'm so glad that I'm an heir and a joint heir. Amen. Look at all my family. First time I've ever seen some of you, but we're family. I mean, blood. By Jesus Christ. And we've been gifted by God. Just think of everything that He's blessed us with. Just think of the things that we've got that we don't have to have that he's let us have. That he's blessed us with. Our health, our jobs, our family, our homes, our cars, our, all of our little play prettiest four-wheelers, side-by-sides, and all these things. All those things. And as we recognize today, our relationship to the body, to the body of Christ, it's helped us. It's made it possible to do this work through Jesus Christ, through God's Son, through God in us, in us. Amen? And we can avoid this pride and prejudice and humility and, and all this unreasonness in the church. So listen, God's made each one of us this morning unique. Isn't that something? I'm, I'm glad we're not all alike. Amen? 
He's made us unique. He, he's graced us. And he's grafted us into his family. And he's helped us, to enable us to function, to be a part of his body. Now that's what we read about the body over there. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Now I don't know what you need this morning. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with Jesus Christ. But first of all, let me say this. As our piano player comes and get, we get a heavy invitation ready, I don't know what you need to do this morning, but let me ask you a question. I mentioned a while ago, have you ever asked the Lord to save you? I'm not talking about being a church member. Have you ever asked the Lord to save you? Are you saved today? Do you know without a shadow of that that you've been saved by God's grace? Okay? If you are saved, you, you're a member of a church. Have you backslid just a little bit? You're out of fellowship with God? He said, present your body as a living sacrifice. You need to do that today. Don't put it off till tomorrow or next week because it may not come for you. But whatever you need to do today, I'm just asking you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you this morning.